106.5 WFMP, this is Community Control Now, the show seeking democratic, community-controlled public institutions with a particular interest in the U.S. policing apparatus. I'm your host, Vincent Gonzalez. He's kind of like D.B. Cooper. Michael T. Say what's up to the people. What's up, people? Yo, yo. And uh, back for the first time, we got Nisha in the building. Say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up? Yeah, community control now seeks to end the rampant abuses by the state, which greatly harm persons of color and the economically disadvantaged. Community control now believes in all power to all oppressed people all over the world. So for today's show, we're going to finish our series about mental health and policing. We're going to look at some of the advantages and disadvantages of what the state has proposed as alternative solutions to the current policing system, how it interacts with the mental health uh, suffering persons in this town and then um, we're going to just look at how that fits into a democratic community control uh, policing apparatus so uh, kick it off well before that just uh, shouting out to my good people here um, this is a lot of fun for me I like you know hanging out talking about uh, what's going on and figuring out how we can change things uh, how how was your weekend? Or how was the, the last time I seen you, man? Was, how's it been? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> the last time. What a week has been for me. Uh, I can't even begin to describe it, but it has been an unprecedented week. Yeah. Uh, well, this uh, is a you know non-judgmental <laughs> zone. If you want to share that with what's going on, I'll I mean, just say that. I had to deal with some really important crises, and hopefully they're resolved uh, by now. But uh, since the last time we talked, as you know, uh, some heavy things happened that relate to what we're talking about in many ways. Okay, so, like, I'm hoping, so I don't know when the FBI calls about what you just described from last weekend, because it sounded very ominous. Like, I don't know if we, I guess, if you got an attic or something, anybody out there uh, that I can maybe hide away in, because uh, I don't know. But no, it sounds like you took care of your business, and, uh, you know, happy days are here again. Well, I did the best I could do, yeah. and uh, what I thought I had to do at that time, but like I said, this fits right into. What we're talking about. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know. The old adage about truth inspire. being stranger than fiction. Yeah. And, again, why we need, uh, you know, mental health intervention. Because yeah. we got some crazy folks out here. And, but, uh, uh, <laughs> well, you know, we'll get into that here. Yeah. Nisha, how, how you been since the last time you came around these parts? Um, Definitely a lot hotter. I think oh, it was like before Juneteenth. So Juneteenth was dope. Yeah, it was totally had fun with that. Did you go to the one downtown or did you go to the one in the west? Um, we party hopped. We were trying to find the good oh, barbecue place. Yeah, we doing so that. So we were at the waterfront and then we went to Shawnee and we had everybody's food. My six year old <laughs> was running around, cousin. Yeah. We was doing yeah that. It was, I mean, you know, wherever the place fun. at. Right on. So yeah, good to see that that was a tradition that we've uh taken upon. You know, Juneteenth, and Biden came through, uh, I guess, at the 23rd hour uh, with the federal holiday. I tried it I tried it with my place of employment, 
and it was like not this year so um you know but it's it's on the books here federal holiday of juneteenth uh but yeah we can kick it in here uh let's uh i guess we could recap what we talked about the link between mental health and policing as i recall one in four persons that's murdered by a law enforcement officer is a person suffering with a severe mental illness. Uh, there's a classification of um, certain diagnoses that, uh, you know, causes a lot of difficulties for persons in their lives. Uh, examples is uh, persons with schizophrenia, persons with severe bipolar, uh, severe depression, I believe is on here, but it's a designation of SMI. And uh, so they, you know, looking at those persons in that criteria, um, they are targeted and at great risk with any interaction with the police. Mm-hmm. So um, looking at the current system, uh, I think we uh, made the analysis that there are no adequate uh, alternatives as they lie between a law enforcement officer with a gun and uh, the persons who are in a mental health crisis. So yeah, I think let's kick it off from there. Mm-hmm. What's some of the alternatives that's out here that we know about? Uh, I think you had an article. Yeah, I wanted did. to... Uh... <clears throat> You know, get into that um, uh, first uh, by just sharing some of this piece here that uh, comes from a NPR, National Public Radio Broadcast. Uh, actually, uh, almost a year ago uh, from today, September 18, 2020. And this was uh, on a, from a program they have called All Things Considered that I listened to. Uh, I'll just read a couple excerpts and we can talk about it. Um, It says, Nationwide protests over police accountability and racial justice have re-energized long-standing efforts to fundamentally change how police departments respond to someone in a mental health emergency. Many are calling for removing or dramatically reducing law enforcement's role in responding to those crises unless absolutely necessary. Since 2015, and this relates to a statistic you just cited, nearly a quarter of all people killed by police officers in America have had a known mental illness. Injuries, too, are common, although they are less carefully tracked. There's anecdotal evidence that botched encounters between police and people in a mental crisis are up during the pandemic. And this was, you know, September, right in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, one of the many examples, the recent shooting of a distraught 13-year-old boy with an autism spectrum disorder by Salt Lake City police after his mother called officers to report that her son was having a mental breakdown. The teenager is recovering from serious wounds. Then there's the recent 
police shooting of a homeless man in crisis in Buffalo, New York. And I'll stop here. Uh, still, many departments appear reluctant to abandon a widely used program for handling mental health and substance abuse crisis calls called Crisis Intervention Teams, or CITs, even though the programs have proved largely ineffective. <clears throat> even some proponents and trainers of CITs now say the model has been misread and poorly implemented by many departments. So, CIT, Crisis Intervention Team, has been put forth and enacted by many U.S. metropolitan areas as an alternative to deal with mental health uh, crises. And based on uh, what you just read, some people uh, find that to be inadequate. Mm -hmm. So I guess I mean, we could start from there. Uh, but I guess first of all, why would such a thing need to be put in place? What is it about the present policing system and how they enforce certain laws? What is it about that system that would need an alternative? Uh, one would think, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, that uh, this is a common occurrence that they have to deal with knowing um, the high numbers of people not, I mean, in, you know, the U.S. who have uh, mental health diagnoses, but also uh, in this town, you know. What is it with current policing and why uh, they would um, have to have a, a another unit respond to these things? I don't think that's something a police training would ever be able to train an officer mm -hmm. to be able to do. So I think just even in that notion, if they already have this mentality of responding to calls mm -hmm. in certain neighborhoods and they see a guy that's maybe taller than them, maybe bigger than them, acting in a way that they don't even know how to deal with, they're going to perceive that as a threat. Mm -hmm. And they already have their reason made up in their mind. Yeah. So there's a link between uh, persons who served in the armed forces, many after their active duty door, um, active duty tour is completed. Many of them go into the law enforcement industry, and you can sort of see with the ramping up of enforcement, this almost like warrior mentality that uh, many officers mm. and the many times that I uh, have had encounters with law enforcement officers, almost a, a, a dominator stance, you know, this sort of, uh, you know, when you're overseas and you're fighting against another force, you're taught to be hyper vigilant. You know, they train you to view almost anything to a, as a threat that may or may not need to be neutralized. Uh, you know, so some of these thoughts, they stay pervasive. Uh, so, you know, as you acutely uh, surmised, uh, Nisha, that, you know, there's it's almost a mentality, if you will, where I'm coming into this interaction and 
you know, I've already I'm holding my ground before I know what's going on. You know, many times the call, it's a number uh, that they respond to. They don't have the intimate details of what's happening, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. how do you, so it's, I mean, it's, it's like baked into the model. How do you work around that? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, like from this article, this guy, uh, Ron Bruno, who's a 25-year uh, career policeman, um, he's also the executive director of the Crisis Intervention Team International. I didn't even know they had that. Uh, now, he says uh, the problem is they're not doing anything about what a CIT really is. And this is a quote from him. All we have to do is give them little training and send them out there to handle crisis situations. He says that's the kind of mentality, the thought process that we have utilized for way, way too long. Uh, He says that the group runs trainings and works to change the dynamic between law enforcement and people in a mental health crisis. But he says that a handful of departments have done it right. But others too often see CIT training as merely a check-the-box, 40-hour exercise. They're not doing anything about what a CIT really is. Uh, And then he says, um, to critics, the way these crisis teams have been built and proliferated is yet another example of police tinkering with reforms that look nice for police chiefs and mayors but fail actually to make substantive change. Yeah. So, sounding like a lot of parallels of what we're dealing with now. But before I get into that, 106.5 WFMP, this is Community Control Now. Vincent Gonzalez, Michael T. Nisha's in the building. Uh, So, seeing a lot of parallels with the current system that we're faced with in Louisville. Uh, We just received this board, the Civilian Review Board, Mm -hmm. where uh, uh, appointed by the mayor's office, they, uh, it's about, I'm not familiar with uh, the number of seats. I think it's about nine or so. But uh, it's a group of citizens who can review um, officer misconduct. They can review uh, any officer involved shooting. And they, through the um, process, put out any form recommendations that uh, that officer or how the police department should handle this. Um, there's no current enforcement. Mm. There's no subpoena power. It's just a recommendation. So saying uh, just uh, what you just said about how CIT, uh, the 40 hours that they have to do is almost treated somewhat flippantly. Yeah. You know, it's uh, how does that coincide with a warrior mentality, mm. you know, of, of uh, you know, domineering at, at any situation? It definitely doesn't supplant it because you figure 40 hours, that's one week. One work week of training for something this serious. And uh, I guess this is why this guy Bruno says, 
He says, we need to build community resources that can respond and take care of a crisis without having law enforcement involved. If we build the crisis response system that is non-law enforcement, we will get more people connecting before it hits that level of danger. Now, he says that the moment is now ripe for more cities to create specially trained mobile crisis response teams made up of mental health clinicians, and we were talking about that before, Mm -hmm. medical professionals, and perhaps peer support specialists who've been through mental health or drug and alcohol challenges, people who can lend an empathetic ear, de-escalate, and help channel the person to services, not to jail. Okay. I like that. The next uh, escalation of these things, many people are advocating for the reform of removing law enforcement officers from that beat anytime someone has a severe mental illness and replacing them with mental health practitioners, persons uh, in the uh, substance use disorder, counseling field. And uh, I don't know, Nisha, do you think that'll work? Like, do you see any advantages of doing that? No. Yeah. Um, Why not? Just like the the whole situation is not geared to dealing with the issues at hand. And like Mike was saying, the ability for us to do it as a community ourselves is much more powerful than having outside entities coming in and kind of taking control or keeping control of our communities. So you think it's not, they're not going to have a lot of buy-in? No, they're gonna have. They're gonna be. They're gonna come to their house and give them a referral and say, "Now you do this, and then we're gonna leave, yeah. and the problem's gonna go away." <laughs> it's not that ideal of a situation. Usually, if it's a mental health crisis, they're beyond being receptive of just certain people in certain situations. Really, don't go away. Especially when it's <laughs> especially when it's like a bright and pretty blonde young graduate from college yeah. come into a situation around a people that she does not understand. Yeah. I mean, how can I make that be right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a parallel that many people have been faced with. Uh, you know, if I'm not from this community, maybe I was never, it was never debunked in my teachings that, you know, persons from a certain side of town are, are faced with, you know, mental health challenges that look a certain way. You know, there's there's many barriers, societal in nature, that may uh, keep us from, uh, you know, getting some of the solutions that this uh, model is proposing. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you what do you think about sending well, out mental health practitioners? I think uh, I think it uh, makes sense. You know, having dealt with some of this, uh, especially recently, you know, with some people, but uh, I'll cite here what this. Uh, guy says here, um, he says, there's a pioneering program in Eugene, Oregon. There, a three-decade-old program named Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets, or CAHOOTS, created by White Bird Clinic, runs mobile crisis intervention response teams that are tied directly to the area's 911 system. I kind of like that. Timothy Black, White Bird's consulting director, is leading efforts to help other communities replicate the Cahoots-style program. 
One of the biggest obstacles in scaling this kind of program, Black says, is overcoming the widely held perception that people in a mental health crisis are inherently dangerous. It's our experience that folks in crises just aren't dangerous, uh, Black tells NPR. If we can shift away from really applying morality to these situations, we start to recognize that, you know, these crises of all emerge because a need has gone unmet. And the response is really about meeting people where they're at and identifying those needs and supporting somebody. Hmm. Sounding a, yeah, sounding a lot like uh, essential needs, uh, you know, wrapped into some degree of uh, socialist elevation. I mean, mm. so these, you know, we see the societal nature of these issues as, you know, the remedy. I mean, there's some numbers to back when a person has their, uh, you know, those bottom-based needs, physiological, food, housing, shelter, uh, you know, adequate clothing, some functioning sort of elements, uh, they have less interactions with the carceral state. Um, so, but currently, um, our city, I mean, they have a unfunded housing uh Programs. Uh, I don't know. Last I checked, what do you know? What number you are on the housing waiting list? <laughs> Section eight. Do we even? Do you still know the number by heart? Uh, no. Well, I, it, it changes. Some, la, uh, last time heart. I called, I was like, I was like twenty thousand. But uh, <laughs> twenty thousand. It used yeah. to be a game. I, I quit. Trying. Yeah, yeah. And then some days you move up. Well, that's. Uh, I think last I checked, this city is short of roughly uh, forty thousand affordable housing units. And we know for a fact that persons that have access to those essential needs um, have a higher degree of vitality. It's almost silly to say it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, this system vis-a-vis the role of capital uh, has no remedy for, uh, you know, these concerns that a lot of us are faced with. So, I mean, there are those of us who see this in a principled way we got like about six more minutes here mm-hmm. I just want to kind of close out with uh, those who are looking at this from a, a principled lens mm-hmm. uh, find this to be woefully inadequate mm-hmm. um, and we advocate for something more collective really? so I mean what those forces look like right now who out here is uh Let's just start with the the mental health crises that we find ourselves in. Who in this town is fighting for that uh, model that we're currently talking about, this cahoots, sending out a mental health practitioner? Who's fighting for that? Who's even exploring it or studying it or (laughs) familiar with it? Yeah. I mean, I guess why not us, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're putting it on right here, but, you know, the hope is to agitate and that we can further some of the things we talk about man i'm trying to win you yeah. know i don't want to just sit up here and talk in the studio so yeah. you know this is hopefully this is an impetuous that we can use to uh further some of the things if we and, and we got to ask the community as well if we so choose uh to have that a model of what it looks like uh, to have community control over this thing that 
harms a lot of people. So, um, I guess right now, to be continued on, do we have the forces? I don't know, Nisha, you think we got the forces right now? Um, I'm, I'm feeling a little hopeful. Hopeful, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a lot no, of these good. teenagers, yeah. and I'm hearing them, and yeah, I'm they, feeling really hopeful. They got a little fire in them, uh, yeah, right yeah. on. So, I mean, that's something to hold on to. I mean, are they organized? Um, not in the way that they need to be. Yeah. I think that especially with, organize them? Well, with school coming up, there's like a lot of groups, mm-hmm. and they're trying to plan that out now. Yeah. They're actually really talking about it. Is it is it on the same accord of like what we need to get out of this? Yeah, starting with okay. just JCPS stuff mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. see and then in their communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they're extra tired. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a lot of work mm-hmm. to do here. Uh, just, you know a transformative change in this society. And the fact that, you know, these remedies uh, that you know, these municipal State and federal governments, uh, what they advocate for is just, that ain't going to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we need to um, continue uh, combining our forces so that we can have some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just to close out here, a couple more minutes. Um, I don't know. So mental health is uh it's very pervasive you know we we've touched on in in the last episode we uh, looked at how um there's just i mean we we stand on um and i, I truly believe that a society crea- uh you know and the way that people interact with it mm-hmm. it just makes things so like i mean it, i think it drives us up a wall Mm-hmm. And we've kind of lost that collective sense of, you know, where we stand oh, yeah. in in the, you know, the care of one another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, any any final shout outs here? Uh, what's it what's it looking like? What what's one thing that you hope for um, as we as we seek to find a benevolent solution to the well, I hope these young people that uh, Kanisha just mentioned uh, get organized because this is a serious situation that yeah. uh, definitely affects the young and the old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what you got up to, man. I know you say you're semi-retired, but I don't know you got anything for them. Message uh, to the young folk here. What, well, what, what I would them just them tell them to try to study you know history and everything they can because you won't understand this unless you study I mean mm-hmm. you gotta you know see what other people have to say about things you're going to going through and then you know compare that with you know what you know to be real in your own life but if you fail to do one or the other you won't be able to put it together you know you got to look at the vicarious experience of others and combine that with your own direct experience. Man, that was uh, fatherly advice <laughs> sponsored by uh, <laughs> Sporting Wave Hair Gel. <laughs> That's uh, what I was told. Yeah, no, yeah, no it's good <laughs> Not original. Yeah, yeah what, what do you think, uh, Nisha? Um, I think just as, just as important as letting the young folk get together is if we could all just get in a room and, like, have a really big meeting... And we all agree 
that we're just going to do this one dope-ass thing for this city and just do this one dope-ass <laughs> thing for this city. No. So, you know, I, I can feel that. <laughs> Yo, we get, you know, get the uh, lock started here. Um, I don't know, maybe do a pajama jammy jam. I was always <laughs> fond of one of those. And I just think without social forces... They're clearly not going to do it on their mm. own but without the social forces here. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are trees falling in the forest. They don't even make a sound. <laughs> we got to get together. We ain't got no choice, mm-hmm. you know. So community control now, we seek to uh, be a part of that solution, and we're going to keep coming at them here. Uh, you was telling me, you know, this is hopefully a contribution to the local movement here. You know, when we you, we were talking over the summer, mm-hmm. and um, man, I'm you know hoping that we can keep progressing and you know have something to say. Yeah, generate some ideas that may stick. You know, somebody will pick up on them and say, "Yeah, you know, I want to do this." Hey, I heard it on the radio. So, bet any uh, final shout-outs here? Well, shout out to my uh, cousin Bubba and them. Uh, from around the way. Uh, I'll holler at them later. And uh, community (laughs) control now, let's get free.